Hey there, listeners, and welcome to another episode of The Finnovator with me, Stuart Bell, business coach. And in this episode of The Finnovator, I wanted to share a masterclass interview session I had with uh, Glenn Hare and Jessica Brady at Fox and Hare. If you don't know the name Fox and Hare, uh, they have made quite a splash on the industry, uh, launching through uh, my good friend Dean Holmes's uh, venture, The Wealth Network. They sort of hit the ground running with some really clear messaging, a great target marketing, and some really, really uh, insightful marketing that got traction in a big, big way. Uh, you, If you've been following them, probably know a lot about the way they've done things and how they've approached it, but this was a little bit of a different conversation. Uh, I find that when I work with businesses, there are a number of different stages that advice practices go through when they're actually building. If you're interested in more about this, uh, we have a page on our site all about it called The Journey to Scale. But in that startup phase, it's really interesting. What you focus on at the beginning uh, is just as important as what you don't focus on, to be honest. Uh, that first stage, you know, when you get up and running, it's really just about making sure that you, you nail that most important thing, which is getting clients in the door and getting the business up and running. And it's when you come to you know, that second phase, which uh, in this uh, interview we call chapter two, a whole bunch of new challenges come around. And in this interview, which was a lot of fun to, uh, to do, mainly because Glenn and Jessica are, are so very engaging, they've got a really interesting dynamic as well. They work, the way they work together and, and their, their sort of comparisons of styles, I can see why they work so well together. But we talked about you know, what happens when you hit that need to start growing the business beyond just that initial marketing piece. Um, there was so much insight in this session, uh, as well as you know, some great stories about the journey so far and a peek in behind. You know, when you sort of learn about businesses or you hear about what they read in the media, sometimes it, it, it's really useful to jump in behind and understand, uh, you know, the things that didn't go so well, the challenges they face and overcome. And uh, I think I came out of there with some really, really practical insights for anybody uh, whether you're starting you know, down a path of, of rebooting your marketing or you're looking to retarget or realign your business with the target market, we just want to know what it takes to um, you know, grow as quickly as those guys have. This was so full of uh, insight, not to mention a really great conversation. So I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. So let me hand over to uh, Jessica Glenn and myself and let's find out a bit about what chapter two uh, has been like for Fox and Hare. Let me just give you the quick background before we kick it off. Uh, If you aren't familiar uh, with Fox and Hare, um, it's been really interesting to watch the development and growth of the business. I had the opportunity to work with Dean Holmes. And if you are interested a little bit about what he's been working on, Dean, who's on the um, webinar today, I ran a webinar with him called The Practice Factory, which talks a lot about sort of his vision he has for, if you like, a a new style of licensee out there. And Jessica and uh, and Glenn are one of, uh, one of the, I guess, one of Dean's, I guess, projects, we'd call it. But it's been fast, fascinating to watch them sort of come out in the way they've marketed, the way they've grown, the way they've got traction, and, and those key sort of things they've done really, really well. That have, I guess, follow certain rules, but they also shake things up. And, but I guess with today, what I wanted to do is I wanted to talk about what happens next. Because um, my, my experience has been, and, and, and there's been a lot of books read about this, about the progression of businesses. Vern Hainish is uh, scaling up, Mice is managing the professional services firm, all that sort of stuff. And business kind of changes along the way. And I think sometimes hearing those transition stories, including 
you know, what should be your metrics at certain points? Uh, what do you do next? What, what were the things you'd do differently if you had the time again? Uh, that's what's really interesting. I just finished, by the way, Phil Knight's Shoe Dog. And uh, that's a really interesting story in there as well. Let's kick this off. So let's just get Jess and Glenn in. Hello. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Thanks Excellent. so much for having us. Thank you very much for agreeing to, to, to join me. We'll get Glenn as well. Yeah, I have been looking forward to this one. And I, when we sat down and started talking about the topic and, and you guys started to talk about where you've come from and uh, where you're at now, I just thought there's a story in there that, that, uh, that needs to be told. Glenn, are you there? I am here. Perfect. Welcome, man. Uh, are you guys safe and sound and, uh, on a Friday? Safe, sound, warm, can't complain. That's what you want, isn't it? Um, you're in Surrey Hills, right, Jess? Yes, I am. Glenn, are you also in Surrey Hills? No, just down the road in Waterloo. Nice. Now, Waterloo's changed a lot, hasn't it? It has. We, um, we actually only just moved here a couple of, a couple of weeks ago um, from, from Coogee. And um, yeah, it's very, very different to, to what it was uh, five, six years ago. Love it. I actually, um, when my daughter was born all those many years ago, we actually lived in Coogee. Coogee's great. Coogee's oh, beautiful. Great. Beautiful part of the world. Hey, guys. Um, I'm really excited to talk to you about this growth journey piece. But I guess let's, let's kick it off by sort of, for those who, for whatever reason, don't know you guys or haven't heard the story, and I, I'd be surprised if anyone here hasn't. Can you just give them a two-minute who you are, how it started, who you work with, and how, how, it, how the business works. Yeah, sure. Um, so Jess and I used to work at MacBank together, um, did a lot of road trips as, as BDMs, and it was actually um, a road trip out to, out to Dubbo and Orange, Bathurst, meeting, meeting advisors. And we just got talking, as you do when you're in a car with each other for about six hours, going, well, what's next? What's, what's, kind of, what's, what's the next step for us? And and we kind of took a step back and thought about, you know, the, the, the clients that we work, which, which were all, all advisors at the time. And, and we wanted to start a business that would, would shake up the industry. So to work with a very different demographic to who typically seeks advice. So we looked into some statistics around, you know, the, the average age of an advisor kind of typically being in their, in their, in their fifties, most people not seeking advice until they're, you know, five, six years from, from retirement. Um, you know, 78% of advisors being, being men, we wanted to, we wanted to create a space for a, I guess the next generation to, to feel really comfortable to have those, those conversations um, in, in, in a non-judgmental environment. And really the premise behind kind of every conversation that we have with our members is ensuring that they make the smartest financial decisions sooner rather than later. Um, so in terms of our members, the, the demographics, I reckon probably about 80% are in their 30s, um, but the, the, with kind of just a couple in their 20s and, and a couple uh, in, their, in, their, in their early 40s, but all in that accumulation phase. Beautiful. Now, I notice you use the word members. Mm. Jess, what, what, why members, why not clients? How did that come up? Is that, that's obviously deliberate, right? It is deliberate, yeah. So um, this is something that I think early this year we decided to make it feel more like a membership base and, and we have a, um, a structure and I'm sure we'll get into this in a bit more detail, but we have yep. a monthly membership um, <laughs> and we like to offer our members exclusive events and access to exclusive speakers. And so we want it to be not just about the financial advice that they receive, but we want them to feel like they're a member of a community and being part of a community means that you get much, much more for your membership. And we think it really correlates to the, the programs and the business that we're trying to build as well. 
So what would you say is, is, have you got an oldest client and a youngest client? What's the range in there? Just to understand the demographic of it. Yeah, I've got, um, I've got a member who's in her late forties and she often giggles and says, you know, like, am I too old for box and hair? And it's not, um, and we laugh and obviously she's not, it's about what goals you have. You know, she came to me and said, right, I'm going to transition into my version of retirement and passive income now. I don't think we'd be the right fit for her, but she's really ambitious. She's a senior executive at a very large organization. She's got amazing goals. She's really um, killing it in her career. She just had no idea how to correlate that income into actually getting her forward in terms of the goals she wants to achieve. So I think she's our oldest client. And Glenn, I think you have our youngest client. Yeah, he just turned 25. So our youngest client was 24, but he's now 25. Um, he's, he's, so he's actually a young investment banking grad earning over a hundred grand living at home, you know, considerable disposable income. Um, and if the conversation is all about, okay, well, let's just not waste that. Let's, let's kind of, you know, get, get you ahead of the pack. Um, and he's work, you know, being, being in kind of that, that type of high stress role, he doesn't want to do spreadsheets all day at work and then come home and do his own personal spreadsheets. And it's interesting, um, you know, a number of our members are investment bankers in, bankers in kind of their early thirties and they've kind of done nothing for the last five years. Whereas this mm-hmm. guy is like, actually, you know what? I don't have the, the capacity to deal with kind of my personal finances. I don't have the time. Let's outsource that so that when he does get to kind of those, you know, the early thirties, he's, 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 like I said, a bit of ahead of the pack. Love it. So it's, it's kind of a, a, a certain age group where it's very much about they're, they're generating sort of resources, income that they're, they're able to do that, but they're looking about how they sort of manage it and take that next step. That's kind of who you're working with. Mm-hmm. 100%. Beautiful. Okay. So I've been sort of following the marketing and I, mean, I, I do want to talk a little bit about the marketing. I know you've spoken a lot about this, but right from the word go, you guys came in guns blazing and just going like, it was almost like, it was really smart. It was like, it was, there was more focus on making a statement than there was not upsetting people, right? Yeah. That evolved. <laughs> yeah. We were and, in corporate for 12 years. We were shackled. We were ready to yeah. be free. We had, statement, we had statements to make. <laughs> um, the guys at Sovereign who were at uh, Macquarie for a long, long time. Yeah, I've, I've worked with people at Macquarie. It's, don't get me wrong, Macquarie's great, but there's a lot of people yeah. come out there going, I know that I want to head in another direction with certain things. So did that sort of desire to shake things up and the messaging, did it evolve naturally? Or was it, you know, you knew exactly what you wanted to say and how you're going to say it from day one? Oh, no, it was definitely a bit of both. So there was definitely um, a strategy, a very well-considered strategy. So Glenn and I met for on and off probably about two years to develop Fox and Hair before we launched it. So oh, wow. okay. make no mistake, like we were very strategic in, in when we launched, we were ready to rock and roll. But we realized that we had this voice and we had done a lot in the community um, and we were ready to talk and to be very clear about the fact that financial advice is not just for old wealthy white men. There's nothing wrong with old wealthy white men getting financial advice, but it's not just for them. And at the same time, the um, same sex marriage, um, uh, love is love Sparkle was on. And yep. so I just spoke to a whole heap of trade journals and said, Hey, we're about this. We're about celebrating diversity. And Stu, what ended up happening is we got all this PR, (laughs) which I didn't expect that we would get. And so then that sort of, this created all of this momentum and 
that really led to a tremendous amount of opportunities and our brand being really thrust into the spotlight, which we didn't mm. really plan for. Right. It's, it's, it's interesting because you, this is the whole thing. When you talk to people, some people will assume that it was manufactured that way and some people will, will assume that it evolved. And the truth is usually a bit more complex than that, right? Mm. Can I ask you a question? Like I've often heard people say, that not enough people go out and ask to, to get published in newspapers or put their stuff out there. And the moment you ask, you realize that, that, that difficult, difficulty level just ramps down. It's actually really easy to get your stuff. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Totally. So yeah. if, someone, if someone hasn't done it before, is it just a case of grab email addresses, send out stuff? How, do you, how, how would you say they should do it? So I just LinkedIn messaged some journos for some trade media places and said, hey, we've just launched a new business here's an angle. I mean, obviously, if you're going to get coverage, there has to be something relevant for them to cover. Yep. And I said, we're a new financial advice business. We're open to really celebrating diversity and getting younger people getting financial advice. We believe in same-sex marriage. Do you want to chat about it? And obviously, that was an angle that they wanted to pick up. Yep. Um, but what was interesting is when I looked at how many shared connections we had on LinkedIn, there was virtually none. Like even the trade press don't have as many contacts in the industry as I'd expected them to have. So mm. I think you just got to be brave. And if they don't want to pick up that story, know that that's okay. And then you come back to them with literally two lines. And mm. what you'll find is over time, you build a relationship with them and then they end up coming to you and saying, Hey, would you like to comment on this? Love mm. it. So I, we could spend all time taking, sorry, day talking about the marketing, but let's talk yeah. about the journey. Like you're growing fast, obviously, you know, it's starting to get traction. You've got people coming in going, I like what you stand for. I like what you're all about. You've obviously got an offer in there. Talk to me about, you know, the things that went better than you expected and, and the challenge, the things that kind of, you hit a bit of a wall on route. It was kind of like, you know, <laughs> the duck or the swan, everything's fine up top, but you know, you're paddling away. Yeah. In yeah. Our, the first part of it, what were the good bits and what were the, what's going on here? So I'll talk um, about the start and then maybe yeah. if you want to go through some of the challenges, um, mm. there have been many. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, two years before we launched, we were planning. We did a number of focus groups, which I think were extremely helpful. So we're really narrow and niche on who we want to work with. 25 yep. and 45 is who we say. They're typically um, white-collar professionals, earning good money, don't know what to do with it. Highly experiential, very driven, very goal-oriented just can't figure out how to transition or translate mm. their income into achievement of goals. So we spent two years really trying to understand our market. Um, we did focus groups. And when we launched, we actually had 10 clients ready to go. Okay. So the beginning for us was probably quite unusual in terms of how other businesses start. Like the, yeah. web, the website was fully developed. Like we really tried to understand what all of our programs would deliver ahead mm. of launch. Um, and so that meant that, as you rightly pointed out, there was momentum from the very mm, beginning. Yeah. But there's definitely been many twists and turns. Glenn, do you want to go through <laughs> a myriad of them? Yeah, totally. I mean, the biggest, the, I think the, actually, I know, the biggest challenge that Jess and I always grapple with is capacity. Okay. There is so much opportunity in this space um, you know, we, we literally have a wait list of, of people looking to join um, Fox and Hair, which is right. a great challenge to have, but it is still very much a challenge. And, you know, we are very focused on ensuring that we continue to deliver an experience 
and that's advice and that's the membership and that's the value add that we are really proud of. And we don't want to dilute that just to kind of keep bringing on, um, uh, you know, copious amounts of members. So we've spent a lot of time over the last, so, you know, two years ago, it was just Jess and I, um, there's now 10 of us within the team and, you know, eight of those, eight of those members are are kind of support in support roles. We're in the process of, um, you know, interviewing for, for, for three additional advisors, like capacity has always been probably the number one challenge for us both through kind of that, the, 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 the talent that we work with tech, um, you know, and also just the ever evolving processes of building these, these experiences for our members. It's really interesting that you spent two years doing focus groups because it's interesting whenever I do um, value proposition work with practices, if you mm. take it back to the you know, marketing, copywriting, fundamentally it starts life as a research project. And one of the most difficult things to do is to get businesses to go out and just talk to potential clients, you know, tech mm. startup style and go, what are your big problems? What are your frustrations? What are your fears? What are your aspirations? You spent two years doing it. And I think there's a correlation between that and the speed at which it grew and the, the traction the offer off got. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we didn't do continual focus groups every day for two years, but we did a number of them over that period. Um, and actually a lot of them have, have, translated into members, which was not the intention at all, but I think that they felt really like they helped grow and influence what the business would look like. And, Mm. you know, it's funny because we were our ideal clients. We were earning good income. We were young. So we thought we knew exactly what people wanted from us. And it was Mm. so easy to have just gone, no, we get it. And yet when we got the feedback and we had it externally facilitated, which I would definitely recommend because otherwise you end up selling it. um, the feedback was so clear and obvious. And we were like, of course we should do it like that. Like, how could we not have thought like that? Um, mm. But just got a, sort of to Glenn's point around continual improvement, like we haven't stopped that since we launched the business. So we do member focus groups now. We've done a couple of focus groups um, with non-members since we've launched. And in fact, Charlotte yesterday and today is actually on the phone talking to our most recently onboarded members, trying right. to understand what worked about your onboarding experience and what could we have made better. So it needs yeah. to, we think it needs to be continual. Otherwise we're just going to get stale. And mm. are you using technology to deliver that onboarding? Like <laughs> tools? Uh, so in terms of, so in terms of the onboarding experience, so we yeah. definitely use tech tech for that in terms of how we capture data, how we input data, um, how we how we monitor our, our, our I guess our members' success in terms of kind of the the prospecting. So before they actually do become a member, yeah. um, we probably haven't been as scientific um, about that yet. Okay, and that's because that's not where the challenge lies. Like we've already got you know quite a considerable number of people reaching out for us. So our focus has been ensuring that we deliver. Um, once they do become members. Mm. Yeah, a coach I've got a lot of time for, he, he said this thing, it's always stuck with me. He said, Tristan Bond, he said, the first million dollars of your business is a marketing problem. After mm. that, it's a leadership problem. And mm. I, it's always stuck with me that if you're, if you're not at that point, the problem you need to solve is a marketing one. It's mm. really good. I want to talk about the wait list. Some people may react emotionally to that, but I also know there's a lot of businesses out there who can't say no to new business. Mm. Why did you choose to tell people they have to wait rather than just power through and find a way of solving the problem? <laughs> this is a good one and a good question because Jess and I, um, this has been a challenge for the best part of 12 months. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And we're not saying no. We're, we're, we're booking them in to catch up, but unfortunately it'll be kind of six months or eight weeks, sorry, six weeks or eight <coughs> weeks away, not, not, oh, we can catch up next week. Right. And the thing is, you know, I personally was quite concerned. I was like, oh, you know, are they going to walk away and things like that? And Jess kind of, you know, um, brought brought this up and it was around the fact that, no, they're going to be, you know, they're going to appreciate that they're, you know, our focus is on our existing members ensuring that their experience is, you know, not diminishing because we're taking on too many people. Mm-hmm. And that has, we have not had anyone go, oh, that's been, that's too long. I can't wait. No, nobody... <laughs> If you see a, a, a line outside a nightclub, it makes you want to get in more and more <laughs> less. So. I was just about to say that. Like we, we, um, we value that when we see a specialist medical doctor mm. or a lawyer or something like that. And if it means that we can be really clear on what we're delivering and it means that they're going to get a higher quality mm. experience with us, then actually I think that exclusivity, if you like, is, is not a bad thing at all. And we do tell our our um we do tell people that so we say to them so currently if you would like to book in a new session with us there's about a six week wait not six months i nearly cried when you said that um (laughs) but we say to them look we only bring on a certain amount of members per month and that's so that we can really make sure we're giving you all of the time and effort and energy we know it takes to give you really good advice people love that people want that and so people are very happy to wait if you go to tesla's i'm going to pull out an example go to tesla's website you go to the cyber truck it's, it's not coming out until 2023, but you pay 150 bucks fully refundable deposit and you can place your order now. Now it's yeah. such a low entry and suddenly you're locked into the, the enthusiasm. So yeah, there's, I mean, it's, it's, not a, it's not a new strategy, but it's a smart one. And I think- yeah. And can I just interject? Um, Rachel's just asked a question, which is a really good one around um, how are you engaging with them during the wait time? Yes. So this is something where we, um, we grapple with. <laughs> so in my head, I would like to have like a fully automated- if there's a six week wait, like a six week thing to get them ready, but we don't have that yet. That's something that I would love. And it's on the to-do list. However, they do enter our system immediately and they do start receiving comms from us immediately. And we, during COVID really ramped, like we invested in a copywriter and have ramped up our comms hugely. And we've done a whole heap of lives. So even if they're waiting six weeks, from the day that they reach out to us, they go into our system automatically, they start getting comms from us. And I think Len, mm. we're on about one, for our non-members, it's like one comms piece per week at the moment okay. yep. and about yeah. one Facebook Live per month um, for non-members. There's a couple of really good questions coming in. I want to ask two things. I'm, I'm going to pull some of those out. The first one is who does the content? Yeah, so Charlotte from our team manages the, um, I guess, the, the program, our marketing program. Yep. Jess and I really come up with the themes um, that, that we want to be delivered through through that program. And then we have two copywriters that draft draft it and everything goes through Jess and I for kind of for, for final sign-off. But is it written in your voice or is it written in someone else's voice? Definitely in our voice. Perfect. And is there a reason for that? We're, it's not a good use of our time. We're not naturally. So you don't enjoy the copywriting, but it's really important that the messaging comes from you as the, as the figureheads of the business, essentially. Yeah. yeah. And just because we're having conversations with our members on a, on a daily basis, we mm. know um, what, what are the themes? What are people struggling with? What do people want to know? So we kind of, we share those themes with Charlotte, who then works with the copywriters who understand the, so it's the fox and hare tone. 
um, tone of voice mm. that they then they then draft that content in. Love it. Because, because this is the common trap, right? Like we could do it. We could do all of the comms, but then we cannot do everything. And so mm. it was very obvious to us, especially at the beginning of COVID, our time is better used to get on the front foot, to get contacting members, to make sure that they feel okay during this period. And if we can do a 10 minute brief to the copywriter, that's such a better use of our time and resources. Love it. So let's pull out a few, a few questions because there's some good ones about the businesses now. Um, yeah. Dean, tell us, a, yeah, I, I am actually really interested in this. Your community, how do you keep them engaged? How do you, how do you set the expectation that this is about people talking to people, not just directly one-to-one all the time? Do you want me to answer this or do you want to? Yeah, so, um, so, so various ways. So first and foremost, for um, the vast majority of our members, we have progress meetings with them every 12 to 16 weeks. So that's yeah. us pro- proactively reaching out to them. Um, through, through our programs and our, our monthly subscription, we encourage our members to reach out to us whenever they need to. Mm-hmm. And in terms of when they typically reach out to us, it's they get paid a bonus, it's coming up to the end of financial year, they're doing their tax return, they get, remember our, our members, um, you know, propensity to earn is only going to increase because mm-hmm. they're all kind of, cli- you know, climbing the, the, various, the various ladders. So they reach out to us for, for all of those various kind of components. Um, we also have um, our app, which is through a software, piece of software called My Prosperity, um, mm-hmm. which we monitor, um, proactively monitor our members, members' goals through, through that platform. We also have been hosting um, exclusive, exclusive member-only events. Um, advertising, you know, and letting, you know, obviously everyone on our mailing list know that these um, member only events are coming up, but only our members have access to those. Um, And over the last couple of months, um, we've had, you know, a property economist, uh, you know, uh, broader economic uh, economist, um, just sat down with with a, um, a goals coach a couple of weeks ago. Um, I sat down with a high performance um, careers coach. So again, these these are all members only, um, and our members um, uh, submit questions prior to those, so they get direct access to these these individuals or these yep. these you know professionals that they may have previously not had access to. Lovely. Anything else? Well, we we used to do. Remember when we all could do face to face events where members talk <laughs> to each other, and yeah. we had a panel event where some of our members talked about their journey and how they've made change and what that looked like. And obviously, when we were all allowed in the same room, um, our other members could ask questions. And we really wanted to do something similar to that this year, but obviously that's a bit on hold. Um, but yeah. they were extremely successful, and it was really great for members to be able to meet other members and just chat. That's what our mm. members brought us in our focus group last year that they want more of, actually. I can mm. make a In February, we did uh, the last accelerator we've done at uh, Bridge Climb. Have you ever checked that out for a member event? Do you have to climb no. the bridge? <laughs> no, you don't have to, Jess, but it's <laughs> awesome. Um, incredibly well-priced for what it is. Oh, like, thank you. And it's, it's a great experience on a number of levels, so I'll put that out there. Yeah. Thanks. Um, actually, I want to ask very quickly, and then I'm going to pick up some of the, the questions because they're coming through fast. This is how You know you've got a, a good discussion going when the questions are flying. I do, don't want to lose sight of the fact that ultimately the more and more you grow, the less and less you can focus on more widely, right? You've got to sort of narrow your focus, which means you can put technology in, but eventually you've got to have people. Mm. You are growing really fast, which means people become really even more important, right? Mm. You must be hiring all the time. Just yes. like that. <laughs> and I think we have been <laughs> for at least the last 12 months. Um, but yeah, like, like I said, so we, we hire, so there's, 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 
Um, we, we break our team into three functions. So the, advi um, the advice management team, which is, um, you know, those that do asset research, insurance research, you know, kind of that power planning style role, um, admin, and then member success. And ex member success is, you know, the, the kind of the um, customer service style. Yep. Um, and we're, like over the last 12 months, we've, we've our, you know, our strong focus has been building that kind of back-end machine yep. and now we're in a position where we can we can hire um advisors knowing that they have the support of that of that back-end machine to really service service new boxing head members what kind of people are you looking for driven <laughs> what did you say yes good ones good ones, good ones. Just, um, the good ones. Uh, so We've made a few mistakes with hires being really transparent and this has been a huge learning and a painful learning for everyone, um, as I'm sure many people online have experienced. But mm. I think for us, it's all about attitude. It's mm. all about really wanting to get up and get out of bed every day to help our members live amazing lives. We mm. have got Glenn, this hasn't come up yet, but Glenn is the most, well, maybe on this, you guys could compete for this, but most organised, <laughs> structured, maybe OCD sort of um, person, which well, lends itself maybe. to efficiency. And yeah. I am all EQ. I run, like, I am not process driven whatsoever. And together we really balance each other out. But we want someone who um, really fits into, we've got a beautiful team. We They call us the Fox and Hair family. Um, and we really want someone who's passionate, who's driven, who wants to help our members succeed and really live a great life. Like we want to practice what we preach as well. There's no point drilling and mm. running ourselves into the ground, living awful lives like many people do to support their members. So mm. I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, working at Macquarie drives a big thing. Mm. <laughs> The, I, the Macquarie thing about how they used to make, make uh, departments compete against departments, I understand in theory why it would work, but it's a bit cannibalistic, right? It must be exhausting. <laughs> it works. Um, uh, well, yeah, Rach. Rach says I'm OCD, but I think it's more the, the obsessive, not the compulsive. Anyway, um, so if they're all, meet all those, uh, those sort of um, characteristics and they love giving advice to a certain demographic or they're really, really good at customer service, or, yeah. sorry, member success, um, they're the kind of people that you're looking to fuel. Totally. And okay. adaptable to change, right? Like yeah. Fox and Hair is evolving so fast. Like, you know, Jess and I had a, had a five, you know, have a five year plan. We have a three year plan. We have an annual plan we have three month kind of breakdowns and we're still catching up, you know, every single week pivoting, um, you know, what, what is right for Fox and Hair and what, and what is right, right for our members. So it's just, this, you know, constant evolving piece. And we never want to remain stagnant. We, we never want to be like, oh, well, that's how we've done it for the last 12 months. Or mm -hmm. that's how we've always done it. Or this is how the industry approaches that. We want to make sure that we're pushing the boundaries. And some of the, some of the companies that we, you know, uh, look to aren't in financial services in terms of how their, their member experience is. So who, which company, funny enough, like, <coughs> bouncing around in my head, which companies do you look up to? Mm. <laughs> Sorry. Of course, Jess, Jess, go. You... I'll tell you one that I love, and this is yeah. not, and I don't think we have to look up to just big companies. I buy coffee from 
and I don't get commission, but I possibly should, um, from a little company in SA called Urban Brew. And I love their online experience. I love that they have a membership. I love that they can deliver um, compostable, ethical coffee at home so I don't have to spend money on coffee and go outside, which is scary. Um, <laughs> and the comms, I never have to worry about knowing where everything is up to. They're proactive. Their tone of voice is great. They're funny. Um, when I get my coffee, there's like a little handwritten note and it's got like a cute little coffee quote. The box has got these funny quotes around coffee. Like just the whole thing has been really well thought through. And as, mm. a, um, as a customer of theirs, all I want to know is my coffee is coming. And yet I get all these little extra, what we call in our business, popsicles that really surprise and delight me mm. along the way. Like that's a business <clears throat> where I think, gosh, if we could do more of that stuff, that would just be... Yeah. Like that's my immediate reaction. I think sometimes we look at like the apples or the Nikes or what have you, like if you're a tiny little business, sometimes that can mm. feel really overwhelming because you don't have those budgets and resources, but there are mm. really great examples of small Aussie based businesses doing really great. And they are like, they are on pillars for me. Mm. Sorry. I railroaded. That was good. Yeah, totally. Um, and if you kind of pick up on what Jess is saying, it's the experience, right? Like, Yes, we do super and insurance and investments and budgets and all of that, which is all obviously we do very well. And mm -hmm. that, that is the backbone of what we do. But where we differentiate ourselves is the experience and the experience that our members have with us. One of the challenges that we do face is around tech. And if I look at different kind of tech companies, so Uber as, as an example of that, our members almost expect us to be and to and to be able to communicate with us like they do with Uber. Mm. Like you, you get you go to the app and it's seamless. You know who's driving you. You know their rating. You know if there's Dettol in the car, you can pick your music. Um, you you know to the pay payment process. I used to hate, hate getting out of cabs and having to you know fumble oh. around trying to pay pay with your credit card. Yeah, they almost they our demographic, the demographic that we work with almost expect that type of experience. It's not like if we gave them that experience, they'd be like, wow, this is so great. It's almost, they expect it from us, which is, which is certainly challenging. Um, but something that, you know, again, we, we want to work towards. Love it. Let's get some questions because there's a few piling up metrics. Mm. Um, how, I was just saying, how, Obsessive is the wrong word, but how strongly have you or do you measure metrics in the business? Jess is looking at me going. <laughs> <laughs> I love a dashboard. Yeah. Um, I love a dashboard. <laughs> love a dashboard. <laughs> so we look at all different types of metrics. So we, we're, we're looking at um, obviously revenue. Um, so new revenue, your traditional kind of reoccurring revenue. We look at how many new contacts reach out to us. Um, yep. Where do they reach out to us from? So are they reaching out to us from the website, the different social platforms, through personal connections, through business connections, through referral partners, um, through existing members um, and working out not only where do those contacts or prospects come from, yep. but then those new members, which are the most successful referral partners like what's the conversion rate between you know how many prospects we have to to kind of new members how many coffees do we need to do um in order to to bring on uh to convert to to kind of new members 
We also look at, um, you know, obviously the number of, we have three different coaching programs working out, you know, if, you know, the, the middle program is kind of our flagship program, we've got metrics around how many people we can manage within that program. Um, we also look at um, metrics around our members. So the way that we measure success for our members is are they on track to achieve their goals? And this is something that we're really transparent about and really um, you know, have a lot of conversations with our members about. Yeah, it's great to get um, you know, one and a half percent instead of one percent in a high interest account or mm. you know, eight, you know, eight, ten percent of a portfolio that might be invested for for kind of a 10-year time frame. But what they want to know is when are they going to generate that passive income? When are they going to be able to retire? How long is it before they can buy their first home? If they have two kids and send them to private school, uh, when will their mortgage be, be paid off? Yep. Um, our, our measure of success is around, are they on track? Green, going to hit the goal? Are they red? off track because they've deviated from the strategy or are they amber? Is there different things that we could potentially be doing in order to expedite the success of those goals? So good. And do you think, um, David asked an interesting question um, and I think I'm going to read into this one and dug underneath, but like growth is good, but some growth can be really bad. Mm. And sometimes people, yeah. What, like, have, do you have certain things that you're looking at and going, okay, we're happy to grow in this way, but if we start heading in that direction, we need to put the brakes on. I mean, staff, staff must be one of them, right? What are the, what are the things you're keeping an eye out for as you grow? Uh, yes. So I often think about the Oprah effect where if you get a lot of PR and you're not ready to support it, it can be detriment. It can be it yeah. can have huge negative. And we've seen that, like there have been moments where Glenn and I have gone like, oh my gosh, like we're not ready for this amount of reach outs or what have you. Um, and to be honest, I have, poor Glenn has to put the brakes on me a lot because I want to do all these crazy, unusual, off the Richter sort of programs and ideas and we just can't support the growth of that right now, which is heartbreaking because as Glenn mm. has rightly pointed out, we talk a lot in the industry about all the challenges and all the you know reform and all of the things that have been happening and they're true and it is frustrating and challenging, but there is so much opportunity yeah. and we have had to put, you know, backburn so much stuff that we really want to get to because we cannot support the growth right now. Mm. Um, but that's exciting. It's a challenge, mm. but it's an exciting challenge to have. I honestly think you could put, it's, I've never been clearer for me that if you can split the industry in two, it's people who are optimistic about the future and people who are not. Mm. It's, it's, it's such a dichotomy. It's one or the other. But I'm personally, I think we're living in the greatest opportunity for advice that has ever been. It's just an incredible evolution. It's hard and it's totally. tough. But about two years from now, the people who are moving in that direction are going to be a long way ahead. Yeah, let's pull out Dino's question. Tell us about COVID. Mm. First time as advisors where you've got to phone up, pick up the phone and go, it's all gone to hell in a handbasket. What was that like? It was... Um... Okay, so we, we do a lot. When, when, um, when we bring on new members we're really passionate about education. So, you know, talking about what do the good times look like? What do the challenging times look like? So we really didn't have anyone call us and go, what have you done? What you've lost all, of, all our money or whatever the case may be. Um, obviously we could not predict what had happened, but our members knew that the, the, how markets trade. Sometimes they go up, sometimes they go down. What we did do, though, was we, um, Jess and I, booked out time in our diary 
to check in with every single one of our members and just to see how they are feeling and to let them know that everything's okay. This is all part of the strategy. This is the longer term game plan. You know, we know based on Mm-hmm. Um, historical data markets markets will rebound did we have a few people reach out they're like oh should i move my cash to super and things like that yeah we did but um enabling them you know having having that conversation around what what the impact that could be and kind of referencing some of the conversations that we had already had with them pre kind of covid they yeah. were like oh yeah remember that yeah okay yeah i remember you saying that that's a good point um so we we, we also had a lot of people reach out because we do a lot of work with those in kind of tech and in kind of professional services. And, and in those spaces, you know, tech companies are kind of doing better than they ever have because we've never been more digital. Um, and we also, within professional services, we're in a privileged position where we can work from home. And, you know, we had a lot of people reach out saying, like, oh, maybe now is a good time to invest, you know, um, you know thinking, thinking through the fact that, you know, our members are, all fairly young like they're all in their kind of majority are in their 30s mm. for a lot of them if this was an opportunity to to make money that had just kind of been sitting in a bank doing nothing actually go to work for them for, for us we are in a fortunate position that the that, that COVID hasn't hasn't impacted us uh, negatively it's been challenging we hired mm. four people in March um, while I was in the Margaret River um, <laughs> Jess, Jess had to um, their, their first work was week was moving them home but from a cultural perspective, welcome on board. Here's the door. Pretty much. <laughs> so, from a cultural perspective, that's probably just been the main thing, right? And yeah. everyone's going through such individual experiences in their personal lives and, and um, you know, different challenges. We just need that's that's something that we've really needed to be much more conscious of. Into from a member's perspective, yeah. no issues. It's interesting. Um. That's why onboarding is so important because if you set the expectations before it happens, you can have the conversation. And I think the point about different people experiencing different things is really important. My mum's in Western Australia and she's mm. one, of the, one of the main importers of face masks into WA. Mm. So her experience of COVID has been very, very different. Plus she lives out mm. in, in the middle of nowhere. Um, <laughs> let's talk about the offer. Has the offer to your clients, you know, the service offering, the, the, the way you position it, has it evolved? Has it changed? Yes, and it's constantly changing, and it should. So um, the programs themselves, so we've got three coaching programs. They are the same. Like there's a lot about them that is the same as when we launched, but we are constantly trying to improve them. What are the the coaching? Can you share what they are, the coaching programs? Yeah. Um, Our first coaching program is called Get Sorted. You can probably understand what that is. So that's for people who low complexity, they're earning good money, but they just don't know where to start. So it's just about getting them started on their journey. The, the one that Glenn was referencing before, our middle program, which is called Like a Boss. Um, this is our most taken up program. This is for people who've, let me just, I'll say they've had a crack. So they've done something themselves. So they've bought their first property or they've, they've started their own portfolio. Most of yeah. our members have read the likes of Barefoot Investor or yeah. listened to money podcasts. They've hit a ceiling and they don't know what to do next. Okay. Um, within that program, we have progress meetings about every 12 to 16 weeks. So there's a high touch model there. And then our third program is called World Domination. This is typically for people who've got money running through lots of entities, um, right. high level, uh, high touch, often um, small to medium business. Okay, owners. cool. 
So it, it progresses, like gets sorted like a boss and then well done. Yeah. Yeah. And are you, are you willing to share the price point or you'd rather not? Yeah. What do you charge um, for each of them? So we break it up between uh, obviously couples and singles and we charge. So our initial price point for a single on a get sorted program is 3,700. And that's Part of that can come per year. Per year. Yep. Oh, sorry. That's to do the initial strategy work and all of the meetings and coaching. Okay. Up front. Yep. And then once they receive the strategy, it's a flat fee of 190 per month okay. or as long as they need our help. And the monthly membership is all paid from cash flow. So we moved away from any of our ongoing membership subscriptions coming from super. We yep. wanted to make sure that we were really um, clear about what we were charging and making sure that we weren't taking away from people's retirement because we initially started it and we were taking some fees from super and some from cash flow. We were like, right, well, we need to recontribute that money. And clients were like, yeah, yeah. Or members were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when it actually came to it, they wouldn't do it. So we made a decision that all of our ongoing memberships should be from. And if something new comes up and they're on that 190, you charge for that, I'm assuming. So included in the monthly membership is all of the changes and pivots that happen in your life. And that's why it's a, it's a membership because we say to them, like, you can reach out at any time. We're checking in on you monthly. We're tracking your goals monthly. Um, but if you need a new statement of advice because something has changed, well, then that's included in the program. Now, if they get to a point where actually like a boss is more appropriate for them, well, then they need to pay the difference and move okay. on to that. Right. And the like a boss is, what's the price point there? For the individual, the starting price yeah. point is four seven to do all the initial coaching and strategy. Cool. And then the monthly membership is three seventy. And if someone's going up from get sorted to like a boss, do you still do the upfront work before you... Is it still a four seven or they just up, up they upgrade the monthly fee? Just the difference, yeah. Okay, cool. And then world domination, love it. <laughs> uh, for an individual it's eight nine and then the right. monthly is seven five oh. So we don't charge I should have explained this. Um, we don't charge any percentage of investment. Got it. Fees. Perfect. Good stuff. So I wanted to ask a little bit of question about, yeah, this is a question that's come up a couple of times. So you've got clients who are going through the business. What happens when they sort of they, they start to fall outside your, your ideal client demographic. It probably hasn't happened so much yet, but what's, what's, what's the plan? Are you going to work it out when you get there? Um, yeah, so it hasn't, ha hasn't happened as, as yet. Uh, and, and this is something, you know, what were you going to, what were going to call the business? When, the Grey Fox or something. Silver Fox. Silver Fox. <laughs> I like for, that. For the, for the, for the Silver Fox. Um, look, Fox and Hair as a brand is focused on wealth right. accumulators. All of our messaging, all of our communication, the way that we communicate is focused on that demographic. Right. So at the moment, there's, there's no aspiration to, to work outside that. In fact, we, you know, if we do, to just point earlier, if someone does, we're, we're being quite humbled in that a number of our members actually referred their parents. We're not the right fit. So we would refer them to a to an advice firm that deals with pre and post post retirees. Mm. Um, and you know, but in saying that, we've had quite a number of advisors reach out to us where you know their their focus is those pre and post retirees. So they're quite comfortable to refer, um, you know, potentially you know people that reach out to them that may not be the right fit for them. And because we ask so specific, they're really comfortable to do so. It's this niche thing has fueled so much of your growth and, and it's, it's directive. I mean, um, and it's also, I mean, I love the fact you, you, you're very comfortable turning around and go, no, but we'll help you and find you something. That's something a lot of businesses never quite 
mm. hangover that's okay not to be right for some people. Mm. Yeah. I want to ask a question about how has the relationship and the working relationship between you actually evolved over this period? We're married. <laughs> We're not married. We're more married to each other. <laughs> I mean, do you, do you have disagreements or do you tend to find you're pretty totally. aligned? Okay. So Jess and I are the polar opposites. So I should say that, so I should rephrase that. We come at things from completely different perspectives. However, we always want the same kind of end result. Mm. So we always want the same thing, but we just come at things quite differently, which I think has been one of the biggest assets for Fox and Head. In that, you know, sometimes Jess has crazy wild ideas and I've got to go, no, 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 we've got to kind of do the basics first. But then again, like if we just do the basics, we'd be a really, really boring business. And Jess has to kind of pull me out of the box and say, no, let's, let's kind of focus on this. Um, so I think we're very fortunate. Yeah. And look, we, um, we hold space for each other and we have a, we have a session that's just Glenn and I every week. Mm. And we honestly say like, how are you? Like, tell me what's going on. And we're really open. And if we're frustrated at each other, we say it and we call it and we, we nip it in the bud early because we learned very early on that holding on to that and working through it ourselves isn't the right thing. So it's definitely an evolution and we're about to turn three, um, which is so exciting. Um, but as, as I mentioned, like we were working together before the launch, um, just like any good relationship, it's all about communication. And I think we do that really, really well. How do you make decisions? I just say what I want. No. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do that Decision made. <laughs> um, on we the fly? <laughs> we don't do them on the fly. We, um, we use traction, which Dean um, from our license uh, really embedded in us. So throughout the week, if we've got things that we need to make decisions on, we text them in. There's a consolidated list. We work through them together and then... Basically, by the end of the meeting, the idea is that the decision has been made. Yeah, love it. So good. Yeah. So um, let's look back on, on, on the year. If you could go back again, there's so much you wouldn't change. You do exactly the same, right? But there must be a few things you go, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. And I, I, mm. I would delay that, do that sooner. Mm. What are they? So <laughs> the, the, the first thing, and Dean will appreciate this, embrace advisor logic. <laughs> we for the first 12 months of our business so just for context jess and i had never been financial advisors before launching fox and hair mm-hmm. um we had always been in the advice industry but never as advisors so we had never used the likes of advisor logic or x plan or anything like that and we loaded we opened advisor logic and we're like this is ugly like this is a terrible system and we're just not going to use it mm-hmm. we're we're completely and that was a mistake we should have embraced it sooner mm-hmm. um yeah from a hiring perspective so we were going to hire one support staff one additional support staff rather in in march we hired four okay Okay. so that that obviously had a huge um you know uh impact on 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 cash flow Mm -hmm. but we've now in a very short period grown grown into that Mm-hmm. Um, and even the thought process around hiring, you know, three advisors now, so the two experienced to the one associate, we are growing at such an exponential rate. Yeah, it's going to have an impact on cash flow, but we, we are really confident that we will grow, grow into that quite, quite quickly. So um, it's higher, higher at a rate that matches the cash flow. Cash flow. Well, well, kind of. So that's what we have done. 
right. but one learning for us. So we didn't buy a book. We didn't buy, you know, any, any members or anything like that. We literally started from scratch reflecting on the last two and two and a half years. And Jess and I were just talking about this last week. Maybe we should have borrowed a couple of hundred grand to, to kind of set ourselves up initially yeah. to fund some of those, uh, you know, some, some, some talent, some, some support staff or an additional advisor before, before yeah. we're able to do it via, via cash flow. Gotcha. That is a huge risk, but it could have ended in a, in a potential, you know, again, a, a potential return. So I think the, um, I mean, the hiring the, the right people is, I know we talk about the right people and all the rest of it, but I kind of think hiring them on values is really important, but also hire people, you know, can do the job. Mm, totally. Yeah. Twofold. Anything and else? Hi, they're, they're probably the main ones I'd, I'd say. Um, you know, our focus at the moment is really building the, the progress meeting. So building our ongoing coaching proposition, our, you know, the onboarding for our members is, isn't seamless. There's a lot of work that can still, still be done, but our coaching programs and, you know, the, the experience that our members have in those formal progress meetings and between those formal progress meetings Mm. is front of mind for Jess constantly. I've just noticed the time and I'm, I have no doubt you guys have got meetings coming up after this. I can tell from Jess, she's looking at the phone. <laughs> so let's, let's talk about this. Let's talk about two things. I want to know, and I'm particularly keen to hear from you, Jess. Where do you think the, the industry is going? What do you think is going to be more and more important when it comes to advice in the next few years? And then I also want to give you the opportunity if people want to find out more about you, if they, if they know somebody who they, they want to put forward for a role, where can they go? Yeah, sure. Um, so I think there is opportunity everywhere. I know that we've all been through a lot and I think that um, we have to shake the shackles off and and remember that. And Glenn giggles whenever I say this, but you know, we have to stop thinking that financial advice is only for one particular demographic in the world. And I am so, we are so passionate about increasing the level of diversity of those who give and receive financial advice. Good quality financial advice shouldn't just be for pre and post retiree people. So I am hoping that the good work that we all do really increases the level of understanding of what financial advice Mm. is and also who thinks, hey, maybe this is actually for me. Mm. Um, I'm really, really keen to see more financial literacy at large. And I think there's a massive space that we can hold in terms of how we contribute as as a profession to what level of financial literacy most Australians have. Like one in three people pre-COVID was going to work feeling financially stressed. One in three. We talk about mental health. We talk about physical health. Like we talk about all this stuff. Like there's such a big gap that no one's talking about at the moment. And we get so excited talking about investment returns and all of that stuff. But what about some of the basics of people who are on really good money, who have overcommitted themselves, who are going to work stressed every day and have no safe space to talk about it? So I think there's a massive opportunity. And I think the concept of true financial wellness and coach coaching-based programs is going to continue to evolve and be a space that we can... Um, really pioneer people want to have open and honest conversations about money they just don't know where to start Mm. and as an advice community we're in this weird paradigm where we've not been taught how to have these conversations we've not been taught how to counsel people through big big life decisions and yet that is where people see the value they love that you fixed their super for them or you've got income protection or they've now got their budget done they love all that but really they really really value 
And we know because we ask our members these really intimate conversations that they don't get to have with mm. anyone. And I think that that's so exciting for the future. Glenn, anything to add? No, I think Jess Jess has nailed it. I mean, this is the whole premise behind why we exist, Mm. just to ensure that people that didn't think financial advice was right for them have um, have the ability to reach out and get their shit sorted. Love it. Um, What I'd love to ask of everybody who's with us, which is everyone, um, can you just type in the box and let me know what's been the most useful thing you've taken away from today? The one thing that you... You know, it's really connected with you. It's kind of excited you or you feel like you could put to work in your business to make it happen. And uh, I guess let's just close it off. by If people want to sort of connect with you or learn more, how do they do that? We're on all the socials, as you would probably imagine for a uh, 25 to 45-year-old demographic. <laughs> business. Um, but in all seriousness, foxandhair.com.au is our website. Um, Glenn and I are on LinkedIn. We would love to connect with you. We'd love to learn more about your journey. Like we don't hold all the answers. We hold more questions mm. than answers most of the time. Totally. So we don't sit here professing to know it all. We know that there's brilliant advisors and brilliant businesses and we'd love to learn what they're doing well as well. Um, but yeah, Glenn and I have been so humbled in. We've had so many mentors um, take us to where we are now and um, we'd love to hear what other people are doing. So yeah, LinkedIn is probably easiest to have one-on-one chats with us. LinkedIn is yeah. very, very simple to connect with people. It's, I think it's one of the best ways of partnerships and all the rest of it. Guys, this has been awesome. Have we got, um, there was a question that David's asked about price. Um, yes, I saw that. Yeah, I, I feel like we need to answer. Do we, do we have to end at 11 or can you, have we got time to answer that? I think I'm, I think I'm okay. Yeah. You yeah, we're good. Okay, so just about price. And this, oh man, I'm going to stay out of this one because price and way people think about it. Fear of losing a client in the early stages. Do you adopt the thought process if a client's not willing to pay? They're not right for you and open negotiation. What do you got to say about the price thing? We don't negotiate on price. Okay. And why? Never. Well, I don't go to a um, cardiologist and say, can you do me a deal? It devalues what we do. And I know how much value we can bring to the table. And I know what it costs for us to deliver this advice. And I would love to deliver advice uh, cheaper it's not possible right now and we are very clear on our costs we are very like we don't run a lot of fat in our business and we know to implement and to have the tech solutions we can't deliver advice profitably if we negotiate on price and i also feel like it's unfair if someone gets a special deal and other people don't i, I don't think that that's right hmm. I, i'm gonna say if the were if the problem was people were truly price sensitive they wouldn't buy things they can't afford. And that is the problem, biggest problem in the world. So there's no, really, if you, it's never about price because if it was, people wouldn't buy stupid shit, frankly. All about value. <laughs> and this myth that young people won't pay for financial advice, we think we've busted that. It's about how do you actually deliver something that they will value. Do you ever ask the how, how, how much do you pay your cleaner question? Never, because we don't ever get price questions. There you go. To be there very transparent. And, and we have an initial coffee meeting and we share our pricing programs. And if they aren't the right fit, they don't move on. Guys, I know you've got to go. This has been absolutely a ball. Thank you so much. And have a great weekend. And to everybody who's attended, uh, thanks for being part of it. I'll see you guys Thank later. You. Thank thanks, you so much Thanks, everyone. Take Bye. care. Bye. Bye. So there you have it. Another episode of The Finnovator. I hope you got a lot out of that. It's a really great story and I think it's always really interesting to sort of dive in behind uh, the story or the story here. Anyway, that's it for me for The Finnovator. I hope you're enjoying it. Um, I wanted to just give a quick shout out. Um, It's been an interesting year, isn't it? We're coming towards the end. Uh, But one of the topics that I've really focused down 
probably over the last two years, but uh, it's become increasingly sort of evident to me why it's important is pricing. And uh, with so many questions that come up on a regular basis, I wanted to uh, create some sort of white paper that would give you, uh, my listeners, advice businesses out there, a bit of insight into uh, sort of what, what it takes to get your pricing right. Uh, we have created a guide, a white paper if you like, we tried to make it really, really practical um, to give you some insight into some benchmarks. Um, but move away from sort of some of the data-driven approaches to this and really give you the, the nuts and bolts. But also, in there I've unpacked how I work with businesses to work out what their number should be and most importantly, to analyze their client bases to find out what I call the profit gap. Uh, the, the subsidization or the profit that you're giving away that in many cases, in a lot of cases in fact, um, you know, robs you of the capacity and ability to get on the front foot with this stuff and, and deliver the advice because things have changed. Um, it's taking longer than ever to deliver advice. There's a lot more uh, requirements on advisors. So um, if you are in a situation where you're finding yourself overwhelmed, busier, and you're wondering, you know, have you got the profit model right or what should it look like going forward? You can head over to ourdare.com.au forward slash pricing dash guide and uh, just pop in your email address and you can grab a copy of that. That's it from me. Uh, stay tuned for the next episode of The Finnovator. But in the meantime, I hope you've enjoyed it and uh, take care of yourself.